everyone, my name is Mike Decker and welcome to the Palm Harvest broadcast wherever you might be tuning in from. I'm super glad that you've decided to join me here in my kitchen in Costa Mesa, California. For the last several weeks we have been in this series called Words. W-O-R-D-S, Words. And today we're going to bring this series to a close by talking about two words. And so if you have your Palm Harvest app on your phone or on your iPad, or if you just want to take down notes old, old school with pen and paper, these are the two words that I kind of want to keep you, have you keep in your mind. And they are the words crisis and the word opportunity. Crisis and opportunity. So here's the big idea that we're going to converse about today in this dialogue. So write this down. Crisis creates opportunity. Crisis creates opportunity. Now I want to take you down memory lane just a little bit. Hopefully this won't <laughs> depress any of you. Do you all remember uh, what happened 14 weeks ago? on March the 29th. Let me refresh your memory. 14 weeks ago on March the 29th, as a result of this global pandemic, this global health crisis that our nation uh, really all around the world has been in caused by this COVID-19 virus, 14 weeks ago, our Palm Harvest broadcast was birthed. Uh, it, was, it was launched reinforcing this truth that crisis creates opportunity. Some of you will remember how we moved uh, off of our, our church campus physically, you know, as we were thrust into kind of this season of, of quarantine, and we moved from a physical platform into a, a digital platform. We moved from our campus here in Costa Mesa into your living room and into your office space, and maybe for some of you, even into your car as you're driving to and fro. And, and for me, it just really reinforces this truth of what can be birthed out of crisis. And so as we've started this uh, new platform of communication, I wanna first and foremost just say thank you again for coming along on the ride with me. This has been a huge learning curve, uh, not just for us, I would imagine for you as well. But 14 weeks ago, you'll remember if you were here at the beginning how at first we started trying to do this broadcast from three different locations live. Do you remember that? David, our worship leader, was, was leading worship from his home in Orange, which is north of, of Costa Mesa. Beto, which, who is our social media guru, and he's really the brains behind all of this, this conversation, he was at his home in southwest Costa Mesa on his computer and for me I started sort of in my in the bunker if you will in the podcast room over at our church campus which is again across across town from the, on the west side well, after uh, troubleshooting that, you'll remember uh, we were having all kinds of issues, right? There was internet overload, and there were system crashes everywhere, which produced what? Do you remember? Buffering issues and, and bandwidth 
issues and frozen screens, right? And, and dropped conversations, dropped con uh, broadcasts, all of which produced what emotion? Frustration, right? Anybody feel that frustration? I, I remember it clearly. And so in this desire to kind of troubleshoot, crisis creates opportunity, I moved here to my kitchen where we started. And then later we experimented with uh, me being in my living room, which I liked, but I thought for this final session today, uh, from my home, hopefully, I thought I would bring us back to the kitchen. And, and all of this COVID-19 nonsense, full disclosure, what was the message? Remember back in that when we started 14 weeks ago, what was the message that the media was was really pushing? It's the message, we're all gonna die, right? Remember that? It is a funny thing how people respond to crisis. You'll remember if you go back 14 weeks how one of the things that people began to do was to hoard toilet paper, right? Somehow they found comfort and solace in hoarding toilet, toilet paper or soup stockpiling. Maybe some of you, if you open the cupboards in your kitchen, you probably have lots of Campbell's soup there that you're going to be eating for months. You know, as many of you were kicked out of your workplace and set up your office like I have here at, in my home, you'll... Your experience is probably similar to mine where digital Zoom conversations became the norm, right? Students were forced into homeschooling. And when students were moved from the school into to their home and into the digital platform, parents' role, the role of parents became uh, and somewhat new. In fact, I would imagine, show of hands, moms and dads out there, how many of you are feeling a little bit of stress and anxiousness as a result of your kids and becoming, you know, being at home and, and doing your school? I would imagine many of you can relate. You know, as we have been moving through this quarantine, really, territory, what I realized firsthand, and maybe, maybe you did too, is just reminded again of this truth that our world is changing. You know, over the last 14 weeks, we've seen the unemployment rate rise, the stock market crash, and then rebound again, which it generally does. Long-standing businesses have shut their doors. You know, government, our government has, has, has mailed out all kinds of stimulus checks, trying to keep people encouraged. By the way, show of hands, how many of you have received a stimulus check? How many of you have tithed on that check? Just asking. You know, even the IRS, if, if you'll remember, has sort of gotten into this generosity game. How? Well, they push back our, our, our deadline, right, for when we have to file our taxes. And if you haven't done that, there's a reminder for you to, to, get, to get on that. You know, it reinforces for me this truth, which we're going to see here in the Bible today, how crisis also creates opportunity. I was reading a, a, an article this past week, and maybe you've seen similar articles of the names of babies uh, that have been born in, in this quarantine, COVID-19 crazy season. Uh, one of the top names of, of newborns is the name Covey, with a K, which I think is kind of cool. There's another name uh, that also spelled with a K is Corona. Um, I suppose Rona would be short for for moms and dads to call that. Another popular name is Quarantina. And then uh, 
the funniest name, I think, um, and if you're someday watching this this broadcast and this is your name, no offense, please forgive me, but it's the name Sharmina. Sharmina, interesting, interesting name. You know, in the past 14 weeks, as our media has pushed sort of this doomsday message, what's been the ripple effect? Well, people, and maybe you can relate to this, have felt this kind of this over-emotional boiling point, right? And as the emotions have, have boiled over, what, what have we seen? We've seen protest marches as people kind of put feet to their, to their as an expression for what they're feeling. These protest marches in many cities has led to vandalism and, and violence and, and in many cases looting where businesses have been destroyed. And now it seems as we're into kind of week 13 and 14 of this global pandemic that at least here in the United States, it seems like if there's any kind of a, a monument or whatever, if there's any kind of a historical showpiece, if you will, placed on this concrete concrete pedestal that has any kind of historical lesson attached to it, it seems like it's now open for, for toppling and, and destruction. And for me, as I, as I review these last 14 weeks of this digital conversation, of this world that we are now thrust into, it just reinforces again for me the truth that crisis is, is felt and expressed uh, in different ways by different kinds of people. We all react differently to crisis. You know, these social platforms, these social media platforms that we're now using and have become a demonstrative part of our expression, now it's no longer safe for us to converse with people. You know, if you share an opinion, you're going to be criticized. If you don't share an opinion, you're going to be criticized. To kneel or not to, to kneel, right? To wear a mask or not wear a mask. To march or not march. To practice social distancing or not. You will likely be criticized. You know, four months ago, just think about this. Four months ago, our cops were heroes. And now, police departments are being defunded. Black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Who could have ever predicted such a hostile climate? You know, there's an answer to that question, don't you? Did you know that 2,100 years ago, when Jesus walked on this planet, God's son, that he actually predicted this climate? In fact, back in, if you look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and if you have a Bible, turn there real quick. If you look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, you will read how Jesus preached this statement. He said, the, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. That's what Jesus said. The apostle Paul, you'll remember, one of the early church leaders, he kind of doubled down on what Jesus preached. And in, and, in, and in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? What does he say? He says, rather we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
And so friends, what the Bible reinforces for me and what it really reinforces for you is that what we are experiencing in this COVID-19 craziness is not simply physical, but there is also this higher agenda at play. So I, I tell you that today and remind you of that today with the hopes of encouraging you, believe it or not, and to encourage you to keep this in mind as you watch these news reports that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and although violent people, violent organizations are attacking it, I want you to hold on to the truth that crisis creates opportunity, and that's good news. Church, you and I need not fear all of the unknowns that are taking place around us. Because when Jesus shed his blood on a Roman cross and raised his broken body back to life from the grave, Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus defeated darkness. Somebody say amen. And in so doing, what Jesus reinforces for you and for me is this truth that crisis creates opportunity. Crisis creates opportunity. So there are two questions that I want to encourage you to begin to ask yourself and to begin to ponder today in our conversation and maybe also in, in, in the days and possibly the weeks ahead. Okay, and then we're going to look at a Bible story. And so the question number one is this, write this down. What is God teaching you? What is God teaching you? You know, when you survey the landscape of this COVID craziness, what has God been teaching you? What have you been learning these past 14 weeks about yourself, about our world, about your coworkers, and most importantly, about God. What has God been teaching you? Question number two. A second question that I want you to think about and keep before you today as we unpack a short Bible story and to think about in the, in the days to come is where, where is God leading you? Where is God leading you? What has God been teaching you and where might God be leading you? Crisis creates opportunity. Okay, so keep those questions in mind. And if you have a Bible with you, whether it's in written or you know digital form on your electronic device, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. Matthew is the first book in, in the New Testament portion. And if you go to Matthew, chapter 12, and you skip down to verse 9, we're going to find Jesus in kind of in the middle of, of a story. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 9, picture the scene in your mind as the story unfolds. So Jesus went over to the synagogue. Stop. What's a synagogue? Synagogue is the local house of worship for the Jewish people, right? So Jesus goes over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus. Now, who are the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of that day. They are the, the spiritual advisors, the guides. They are the pastors among the Jewish people. 
So Jesus walks into the synagogue, notices a man with a deformed hand, and the Pharisees, the local pastors in that parish, so to speak, that, that synagogue, ask Jesus this question. Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. Now let's stop there for a second. What's the question that these Pharisees are asking Jesus? Well, they're saying, Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? Because as you know, the Sabbath was sacred. The Sabbath was considered to be a day of rest. The Sabbath was part of the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses that the, the Jewish people followed religiously. To work on the Sabbath was considered a sin. And so they ask, they pose this question to Jesus, is it okay for a person to work by healing? So what does this, what does this question tell us about the mindset of, of the Pharisees? Well, I think one of the things that we can know or assume is that this question at least notifies us that these Pharisees notice that there's this man in their midst that has a deformed hand, right? This question indicates their understanding that there is someone who is in a health crisis with a health crisis in their midst. I think we can also consider that by their question, they are making sort of a backhanded statement. They recognize Jesus of having the spiritual authority to remedy this health crisis. Right? They recognize Jesus having the spiritual authority to heal this man, to change his circumstance. Crisis creates opportunity. So how does Jesus respond? Look at verse 11. So Jesus answers. He's answering their question. If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. Stop. Stop. How many of you have animals? Cats, dogs, sheep, horses, cows, pigs, chickens. How many have animals? Now tell me, if you're, a, if you're an animal lover, rabbits, hamsters, snakes, God forbid, but some of you like probably do. Maybe some of you are chicken farmers. Gotta love chickens. Listen, if, if you have a, an animal, let's, let's just use the example of a cat or a dog or maybe a rabbit or a horse, whatever. If you have an animal and that animal gets sick, what are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to, eventually, you're going to take them to the vet, aren't you? If your dog runs out into the street and they get hit by a car and they're, they're moving and, you know, have some element of, of flexibility, if they're wounded, you're not going to just leave them in the street and walk away, are you? No, what are you going to do? If you're a responsible homeowner or a dog owner, what are you going to do? You're going to do something. You're going to take them to the vet. And so Jesus says here, listen, if you have a sheep or a cow that falls into a ravine, you're not going to leave them there until the next day. Rather, Jesus says, it's a rhetorical question. What are you going to do? You're going to pull it out. Now here's the key, verse 12. So Jesus says this. He continues. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. 
some ketchup. Then he says to the man, hold out your hand. Oh, this is where it gets good. Then Jesus said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. They called a meeting. Like, meetings are not work. Talk about hypocrites, right? This crisis created an opportunity, right? What was the opportunity? Well, first and foremost, this crisis, the fact that this man had a deformed hand, really put him in a place where he could have an encounter with Jesus, correct? As a result of his deformed hand, his crisis actually gave him a front row seat into experiencing God's presence, God's activity in his life. Now, don't miss this. Friends, I think many times our obstacles might be the actual thing that puts us in a position for you and me to experience God. Crisis creates opportunity. So a question that I want you to think about is, are you facing any challenges in your life right now? Are any of you up against a wall? And if you are, here's a bigger question. Are you complaining about it? Are you being grumpy about it? Or have you considered the possibility that you are now in a place, in a front row seat, for God to show up in your life? This man's deformed hand created an opportunity for Jesus to do what? To heal him, right? But what else did this crisis create the opportunity for? Well, it also created the opportunity for the Pharisees to come up with this sinister plan. Crisis creates opportunity. And the key is, we all have a choice. We all have a choice how we are going to respond to crisis. Okay, so let's step back again. In all of this COVID craziness, How are you responding? What is God teaching you? And maybe equally important is what opportunities might God be leading you into? What is God teaching you? But also where might God be leading you? You know, as I've been practicing the very thing that I'm encouraging you to practice in this conversation, there are at least three things that the Lord has shown me as I've been mulling on these two questions. If you want to write these down, that's great. If not, that's okay too. But the first thing that God has been teaching me is this truth that change is disruptive. Change is disruptive. You know, most of you know that I'm a guy who likes change. And in fact, when we first kind of stepped into this COVID craziness and into this broadcast, digital broadcast, I just really was energized by it. Probably the first 10 weeks of the 14 weeks, I was easily working 70 hours a week. I was just go, 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 go. It it was great. But now as I'm into this 14th week, I'm realizing, man, I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to run on some fumes. I'm finding myself mentally depleted. And maybe you do too. 
I find myself laying a bed at night thinking through all these issues that the world is going through and I'm trying to make sense of it. And, I, and, I, and full disclosure, I haven't found my rhythm yet. But you want to know the best part <laughs> in all of this? And I'm, a, I'm sarcastic. Is that starting next week, more change is coming. Do you know why? It's because as a church, we're going to go to, back to live worship. We're going to go back to, to public worship, which already has created this whole new layer of, of activity. Crisis creates opportunity. And what God has been teaching me is how change is disrupt, disruptive. So let me just give a quick commercial for those of you who are brave enough to, to venture out into the wild, wild west, the California west. I invite you to join me. Same time, 9 a.m. on campus. If you want to wear masks, wear masks. We're going to set up chairs to sort of practice the social distancing uh, so it'll be you know safe for, for those of you. We're picking the 4th of July weekend, which is a terrible weekend to, to really open up, but let's, what better weekend than, to, than that to celebrate our freedom, and I hope to see many of you there. But my point is, is that one of the things God has been teaching me and reminded me of is how change is disruptive. But friends, crisis creates opportunity, which leads me to the second thing that I have learned. A second thing that God has been teaching me is to, I've come to realize that digital is a platform for conversation, right? This, this platform that you and I are using serves as a springboard for conversation. So church, I invite you to ask yourself the question, how are you using this digital season that we are throwing into even more so? How are you using it to initiate conversation? You know, since starting this digital broadcast 14 weeks ago, it seems a whole lot longer than that. Beto, by the way, has been super busy, and he's an all-star. When next time you see Beto, in fact, send him some love. Beto at palmharps.com. Let him know that you love and appreciate what he's doing. But since starting this, this broadcast 14 weeks ago, we are now, these conversations, we're now connecting with people on YouTube and our Palm Harvest website and LinkedIn. And just this week, we're now on Roku TV. Believe it or not, you know, these broadcasts can be heard, listened to audio. Many, maybe you're listening to this just audio through Spotify and through Anchor, which I have no idea what is, but people are clearly tuning in. Thousands of people are listening. You know, I have especially enjoyed our Sunday morning interaction on Facebook. Many of you are tuning in right now on Facebook. And even as I'm talking right now, you're taking advantage of, you know, the chatting and you're checking in from wherever the case may be. And I totally love that. And as a result of this, this new digital platform that we have sort of been thrust into, our church family is growing. You are tuning in from places like Iowa and North Dakota and South Dakota and California and Washington State. You are tuning in from places like Arizona and, and, and Mexico and Canada, from British Columbia and Alberta, maybe even Saskatchewan. 
People all over the place from, from Minnesota, this land is your land, this land is, right? Uh, that's exactly what we're experiencing. And I don't know if this is good or bad, quite honestly. I think it might be, it might be too soon to tell. But what I'm learning and what God has been teaching me is that digital has traction. You know, many of you tuning in are local. We've known each other for 10, 15, 20, 25, maybe even 30 years. But for whatever reason, depending upon your schedule or depending on just life in general, you've never visited Palm Harvest. Maybe you, some of you have visited one or two times, but now you're tuning in every week and you're, and you're engaged. And I, and I love it. And what, it, what, it, what it's just reinforcing for me is that digital has traction, that crisis creates opportunity. And now guess what? We're adding another switch to this whole gearbox, right? We're returning to, to worship, public worship, and, and I have no idea what's going to happen. In fact, David, our, our worship leader, said, I think we should call July, the month of July, trial and error month. And so that's what we're, we're going to do, right? Trial and error month. So if you want a little more chaos in your life, stay tuned to Palm Harvest. So the third thing, let me just wrap up with this. The third thing that God has been has really reminded me of, and this is really the most important thing, and it's what we really see here in this Bible story, is this truth that life is people and people are messy. Life is people and people are messy. Would you agree with that statement? You know, think back to this Bible story here in, in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus he wanted the religious leaders of his day to know that life is people and that people are in crisis. This man with a deformed hand was in crisis. But what's the big idea of our conversation today? Crisis creates what? It creates opportunity. Crisis creates opportunity for conversation. Crisis creates opportunity for us to, to learn something about ourselves. Crisis creates opportunity for us to, to learn something about God. Crisis creates an opportunity for us to lean on God. Crisis creates opportunity for us even to be God's hands and feet, to be His ambassadors, to bring healing into this world, to bring healing into people's lives, just as Jesus did with this man with the deformed hand. Friends, one of the things that God is reminding me of in a new way is that life is people and people are messy. Life is people and people are messy. And, and, and I've just been reminded and encouraged anew that crisis creates opportunity and space for God to work. So write this phrase down somewhere in, in your notes. People over things. People over things. Let me close with this. Church, where might God be inviting you to place people over things? Anything come to mind? You know, last week I, I called a friend of mine who lives in Northern California to pick his brain. He's a, a church planter. He's helped plant many churches. And, and I just kind of wanted to, to, to kind of, you know, process some things out loud with him. And so I thought the conversation would be good. We were going to Zoom call. And so I asked Beto and, and, and David to join me. 
And I was asking him, I said, you know, you know, what are you, what are you learning and what are your kind of your takeaways in, in, in this whole COVID craziness? And, and Stu was sharing with me how he's now challenging his church family, his congregation to address what I'm calling or what he called systemic racism, which is sort of a hot topic right now. And Stu shared how in, in his conversation with his church family, what he is encouraging people to practice, which is a good thing, and I invite you to consider it, is to have a conversation with somebody, to sit down with somebody who you don't agree with, who you don't see eye to eye on, simply to listen and try to understand. Not change their mind, not, them bring, not bring them over to, to your side the way Darth Vader did with Luke, you know, come to the dark side. No, just listen. Seek to understand. We talk about the, a lot before trying to be understood. Don't change their mind. Now, is that going to be hard for some of you? Yeah. Can you do it on your own strength? No. But with God's help, you can you know, one of my takeaways from our, our Zoom conversation was this conviction. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but I think that God is inviting Palm Harvest to possibly even add listening as one of our core values. We have five core values. We'll preach about them at, at another time. But the value of listening, and I think what... With God's help, what he is saying to me, and, and hopefully might, maybe what he's saying to some of you, is will you, with his help, strive to be a better listener? Will you strive to be a better listener to him? And will you strive to be a better listener to those around you? Why? Why? Because life is people. And because people's lives are messy. And because crisis creates opportunity for you and me with God's help to make a difference in, in the lives of the people we're in conversation with and maybe even more importantly in our own lives. So listen, let me just close by with this and I've been talking long enough. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to those of you who have been joining me uh, over this last you know, 14 weeks, this digital ministry journey. It has been messy. There has been a huge learning curve, and we still have lots to, to, to learn going forward. And, but hopefully it's been growing, a growing experience for you, even as it has been for me. So let's talk. Let's stop talking. And let's, let's do some praying. Okay, so first and foremost, thank you for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's pray. Okay, so hands open, heart open, mind open. Deep breath. Okay, first of all, I want you to just take a deep breath. Hold it. Exhale. One more. Deep breath. Center yourself. Exhale. Okay. Now with your mind on God. Church, if, if crisis creates opportunity... Where is God inviting you to grow? Where is God inviting you to grow? And if life is people, and if people are messy, into whose life might God be asking you to step into? So question, could you be a better listener? 
think the answer to that for all of us is yes. Okay, so let's ask God. So heart open, mind open, hands open. Pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, please help me to be a better listener. Heavenly Father, please help me to be a better listener to my spouse, if you're married, to my kids, if you have kids, to my girlfriend, to my boyfriend, to my coworkers, with those who I don't agree with. Heavenly Father, please increase my capacity to be someone who tries to understand first before trying to get my point across. God, please help me to be a better listener. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you guilty of being like these Pharisees? When you look at your life and when you look at your attitude, are you guilty? Could you be convicted of putting rules ahead of people? Okay, don't, don't react. Don't debate with me. Don't justify. Just ask yourself the question, am I putting people first? So simply pray this prayer. You don't have to answer, but just simply pray this prayer, okay? Say, Heavenly Father, please increase my capacity to, to love. Paul, we all need that. Heavenly Father, please increase my capacity to love. Please help me to be like Jesus because it's not natural for me to do so. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what you've been teaching me these last 14 weeks. Thank you, Father, for the way you've been growing me and stretching me. Even as I've moved from my kitchen, from my office, to the living room, and back here to the kitchen, Lord, you're growing me, and you're developing within me, and as you're stretching me, you're helping me to learn more about myself, and you're helping me to see you, and you're reminding me, God, you're reminding us of the truth, that crisis creates opportunity. And so, Father, I pray today for those who are tuning in who might be in crisis. I pray, Father, that you would empower them and encourage them and strengthen them. Lord, today, as those listening in this digital broadcast, as they open their hands and they open their hearts and they open their minds and they plea to you to say, God, touch me and interject yourself into my deformed situation. God, I thank you in faith that you're hearing our prayer. Yes. And I thank you in faith in advance for what you're going to do. So brothers and sisters tuning in today, know that God is with you and he is for you. And he is stepping into the mess with you. Life is people and people are messy. <laughs> but with God's help and with God's partnership, we can lead people into a season of healing, just like Jesus did with this man with a deformed hand in Matthew chapter 12. 
God, we pray this in the name, your name, Heavenly Father's name, in the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Listen, next week, as I mentioned already, we are going live, 9 a.m. I don't know what that's going to look like. We've never really done it very well, but we bought a bunch of equipment. Uh, with your help, for those of you who have been contributing and sharing the load financially, thank you for your generosity. We've used some of that money to buy some equipment, and hopefully it'll help us in this broadcast ministry. But here, let me just close with this. Share some love with somebody this week. Because this COVID craziness is causing people to go bonkers. Step into the mess. With God's help, you can do this. And I challenge you to answer the question, these two questions. What is God teaching you? And where is God leading you? As you get answers to those questions, will you drop me a line? Will you let me know? I'd love to come along with the journey with you as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next week.